Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salam. Ala khayra khalqillah. An nabiyuna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallama tasliman kathira. The name of the reciter is Salman al-Utaybi. Salman al-Utaybi, and he is reciting Surah Al-Nur, Surah number 24 in the Quran. Such a beautiful recitation. Ah, okay. So alhamdulillah. Like to start off with some Quran to get our morning going. And then lead with... Uh, of remembrance. One of the adhkar sabah one of the things that the Prophet ﷺ instructed us to say when we wake up in the morning is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for uh, to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his mercy. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not something that any one of us can live without. From the Adkar Sabah, Allahumma rahmataka arju. Fala takidni ila nafsi tarafata ain. Wa uslih li shatni kulla ilaha ila ant. From the morning remembrances, more of a dua than anything, is the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma rahmataka arju. O oh Allah, your mercy is what we desire. Your mercy is what I hope for, what I desire. Allahumma rahmataka arju. Oh Allah, your mercy is what I desire. Falatakilni ila nafsi tarafatain. So do not leave me alone to myself, not even for the time that it takes to blink an eye. Allahumma rahmataka arju. Oh Allah, your mercy is what I hope for, what I desire. Do not leave me to myself, not even for the time that it takes for me to blink an eye. I don't want to be without your mercy, even for the time that it takes for me to blink my eye. And rectify all of my affairs. La ilaha illa anta. Nothing worthy of worship except you. I covered this particular hadith before, but I'm gonna 
segue into a different conversation about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. Last night we talked about the sense of entitlement that many of us have today. And this entitlement sometimes trickles over if, even into our relationship with God. Sometimes we feel so entitled even before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even before God. We feel like when we call on Allah, he's supposed to answer us. We feel like when we get into calamitous situations or situations that involve some level of discomfort, misfortune, adversity, that because we worship Allah, we should not have been put into that situation. Because we somehow manage to pray five salat a day, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should be impervious to trials and tribulations, which is somehow be impervious to the trials and tribulations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives those whom he loves. Because when Allah tests you, that is a sign that he loves you. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests you, that is a sign that he loves you. But we think in our own delusional minds that because I'm obedient to Allah, because I fast, because I pray, because I abstain from the things that are haram, that I'm somehow entitled. God owes me. We may not say it, but look in the way, look at the way that we engage God. Look at the way we interact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at how we act when we raise our hands to make dua for something and he doesn't necessarily give what we ask for, when we ask for it. This is something that I'm going to talk about in the khutbah this coming Friday in more detail. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything that he extends to us is by way of his mercy. Everything that he extends to us is by way of his mercy. So I'm going to share with you a hadith from the Prophet sallallahu something that Angel Jibreel informed the Prophet sallallahu of. I want you guys to pay attention to this. Imam al-Bayhaqi mentions in his book, Shu'ab al-Iman, and also al-Hakim in his Mustadrak, عن جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله تعالى عنه عنهما قال خرج إلينا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال أخبرني خليل جبريل آنفا فقال يا محمد والذي بعثك بالحق إن إن لله عبدا من عباده عبد الله خمسمائة سنة على رأس الجبل. The Prophet جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله تعالى عنهما he said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, came out to us one day and he said to us, I have just been informed by my friend Jibreel. This is the Prophet وسلم, talking to his companions. He said, I have just been informed by my companion, my close friend, Khalil, Jibreel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he said, Ya Muhammad, I swear by the one who sent you with the truth. This is Jibreel saying this story to the Prophet وسلم, and the Prophet وسلم, conveying it to the Sahaba. The, Jibreel said to the Prophet وسلم, I swear, O Muhammad, by the one who sent you with the truth. Inna lillahi abdan, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a servant. From amongst his servants who worshipped Allah for 500 years on a mountain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a servant who served him for 500 years on a mountain. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala akhraja lahu aynan abdan. And Allah gave him a, a, a stream of flowing fresh water running through the mountain from such and such a distance. And then Allah gave him shajaratul ruman, takhruju lahu kulla layla, rumana, tukhdihi yawmahu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed for him on that mountain 
pomegranate tree that produced pomegranates every day for him. فَإِذَا أَمْسَى نَزَلَ فَأَصَابَ مِنَ الْوُضُوءِ وَأَخَذَ تِلْكَ الرُّمَانَ فَأَكَلَهَا ثُمَّ قَامَ لِصَلَاتِهِ So every night he would go down the mountain to the water, he would wash himself, refresh himself, and he would eat from the ruman, he would eat from the pomegranate tree. And then he would proceed to pray. So all he does is worship Allah. All he's doing is worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Similar to many of us, we think that I don't do anything haram. I, I, you know, I might do little mistakes here and there, but overall, you know, I'm I'm the perfect specimen of a Muslim. Overall, I am the perfect specimen of a Muslim. I don't really do much wrong. I don't do anything haram. This is how we conjure up in our minds that we are entitled to the things that we believe that we are entitled to before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't do anything wrong. I don't do any major sin. I don't do anything major, haram. I might do a little mistakes here and there, but I'm, my toba is on fleek. My toba game is on fleek. I make toba for every little thing. I'm straight. I don't commit any major sins. And the little sins that I do, you know, I make toba for it immediately. I'm good. I make all my five salat. I make my sunnah prayers. I fast Mondays and Thursdays. I fast the month of Ramadan. I read the Quran. You know, I'm, I'm good. This is what we tell ourselves. Why we feel so entitled in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here is this servant who's worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 500 years. On a mountain, in a remote place, distant from everybody. All he does is worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses him with a, a, a stream of flowing fresh water. And produces for him a pomegranate tree in the middle of a mountain. In the middle of the mountain, pomegranate tree grows. And he goes down every night. He, he refreshes himself with the water. He eats from the pomegranate, suffices him for his day. And then he proceeds to pray. So one day as he's praying, فَسَأَلَ subhanahu wa ta'ala, سَأَلَ سبحانه وتعالى عند وقت عند الوقت الأجل أن يقبضه ساجدا وألا تجعل للأرض ولا لشيء يفسده عليه سبيلا حتى بعثه الله سبحانه وتعالى وهو ساجد. So one day in his salah, he asked Allah سبحانه وتعالى for something. Asked Allah سبحانه وتعالى for something. He said, Oh Allah. Take my soul while I am in sujood. Take my soul while I am in sujood. And do not allow anything to distract me or destroy me from my path of dying while I'm in sujood so that you can resurrect me while I'm in sujood. Because how you die will how you, be, how you will be resurrected. What you die on is how you will be resurrected. So he wants to be resurrected while he is in sujood. So he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, take my soul while I'm in sujood and do not allow anything to distract me or interfere with my path so that I can die while I'm in sujood so you can raise me up while I'm in sujood. And Allah did it. Allah granted him what he asked for. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him what he asked for. And on the day of judgment, he stands, he will stand in front of Allah. This is something that will happen, has not happened yet, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, time does not affect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Time affects us. So we have to catch up to this event. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals the event to Jibreel as if it's happening in that moment. Jibreel brings the information down to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu in a different time zone. You understand? In a different time zone. So we haven't actually caught up to the event yet. 
So when it says that this is going to happen, Yomul Qiyamah, it means in the future. But there is no such thing as a future to God. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not affected by time. So when he reveals something to Jibreel, and Jibreel brings it down to the Prophet sallallahu we have to catch up to that time in which it was revealed. Meanwhile, it was revealed at that time. It happened at that particular time. You guys follow me? You got, it requires a little bit of a little bit of brain surgery. Yom al-Qiyamah, the same servant, stands in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Stands in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the angels, Adkhilu abdi al-jannah bi-rahmati. Allow my servant, take my servant to paradise by my mercy. Adkhilu abdi. Adkhilu abdi al-jannah bi-rahmati. Enter my servant into paradise by way of my mercy. Enter my servant into paradise by way of my mercy. فَيَقُولُ الْعَبْدِ بَلْ يَا رَبِّي عَمَلِي يَا رَبِّي بَلْ بِعَمَلِي So the servant says to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, No, O oh Allah, enter me into paradise by way of my deeds. Not your mercy, my deeds. I did this. Sounds familiar? I did this. I don't need to go into paradise by way of your mercy. I can get to paradise on my own by my deeds. I served you for 500 years. I never committed a sin. I never did anything wrong. Nothing. Allow me to enter into paradise by way of my deeds. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the angels again, Allah is ar-Rahman. Allah is merciful. Allah is merciful because the servant doesn't know. Maghroor. We are self-deluded. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the angels again, Adkhilu abdi al-jannah bi-rahmati. I'll say it again. Allow my servant to enter into paradise through my mercy. Allow my servant to enter into paradise through my mercy. And then the servant turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again and says, Ya Rabbi, bal bi'amali. No, oh my Lord, by my deeds, not by your mercy. By my deeds, not by your mercy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls out to the angels for يَقُولُ اللَّهُ جَلَّ وَعَالَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ قَايَسُ عَبْدِ بِنِعْمَةِ عَلَيْهِ وَبِعَمَلِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angels, oh, enter you into paradise by your deeds. Oh, okay. All right. He calls out to the angels and he says, قَايَسُ بَيْنَ نِعْمَةَ عَبْدِ عَلَيْهِ وَعَمَلِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angels, bring out the scale. We want to weigh the servant's deeds against the blessings that I have bestowed upon him. You don't, this is not what you want. The next time you think that you are entitled to something from God, I want you to think about this hadith. The next time you make dua and you ask Allah for something, and then you say deep down inside, because we won't say it from our tongues, but we'll say it deep down in here. The next time your heart, next time you say to yourself in here, Allah doesn't love me. Allah doesn't care about me. God doesn't see me. God doesn't hear me. God doesn't care about me. God don't, you know, listen to me. God doesn't appreciate any of my ibadah, any of my worship. The next time that thought passes through your mind, I want you to think about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angels, enter my servant into paradise through my mercy. He says, no, I don't need your mercy. I got deeds that will get me into paradise. 
Allah says again, being merciful to him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-Rahman. He's merciful. He's patient with his servant. No matter how arrogant we are, no matter how heedless of him we are, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a sabur Allah is patient. Allah is latif. Allah is gentle. Allah is Rahman. Allah is merciful with his servant. But even that has a limit, has limitations. Not that Allah's mercy is limited, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a threshold in terms of how much mercy he will continue to extend to his servant. When the servant shows that he does not appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, if the servant shows that he is not appreciative of Allah's mercy, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes it from him. Anytime Allah bestows a blessing on someone and we show that we don't appreciate it, he takes it away from us. When we show gratitude, he gives us more. Allah says in the Quran, in that if you show me gratitude, I'll give you more. You show me gratitude, I'll give you more. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is patient with us. Even the disbelievers from amongst us. The Prophet said, There's none that is more patient with the harm that he hears than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They associate partners with Allah. They say Allah has a son. They say Allah has children. And Allah still continues to provide for them, still continues to allow them to reproduce. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still gives them, you know, their sustenance more so than he gives even to his believing servants. You understand? There's none more patient than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But even that patience at some point runs its course because you've shown that you don't appreciate it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angels, he tells the servant, the angels, enter my servant into paradise through my mercy. The servant says again, not through your mercy, but because of my deeds. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, okay, from your deeds, got you. He tells the angels, bring out the scales. Let's measure, let's measure my servant's deeds against the blessings that I have bestowed upon him. Let's weigh the deeds of my servant against the blessings that I have given them. You don't ever want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to weigh your deeds against the blessings that he has given you. You will never win that battle. You will never win that argument. You will never win the argument of your deeds amounting to anything in comparison to the ni'mah, the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you in your life. You will never win that, ever. So he says to the angels, qayasu bayna ni'mati abdi ni'mati ala abdi wa amali. Judge. Weigh the deeds of my servant against the blessings that I given I have given them. For tujit ni'mat al-basar qad ahatat bi ibadati khamsimi asana. And when the angels start, they start with the blessing of eyesight. They start with the ni'mat al-basar, the blessing of eyesight. Let's take one blessing that Allah has given the servant, and let's weigh it against his deeds, his whole 500 years of worship did not even suffice the blessing of eyesight. <laughs> you understand? The blessing of eyesight was enough to cover the whole 500 years of worship. SubhanAllah. And this is something that we take for granted. The ability to see, we take it for granted until it is taken away from you. Until it is taken away from you. This is something that we take for granted that we wake up in the morning. First thing we do is open our eyes. And the last thing we do is thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing of eyesight. 
The first thing that you did this morning when you got up is you opened your eyes. But the last thing we will thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for is the blessing of eyesight until it is taken away from you. Until it is taken away from you. Because we only appreciate things and people when they are removed from our lives. We only appreciate things and people when they are removed from our lives. When they're here, we take them for granted. When we have it, we take it for granted. SubhanAllah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angels to weigh his deeds against his blessings. The angels start with the blessing of eyesight, ni'mat al-basr. And his whole 500 years of worship in comparison to the blessing of eyesight has used up all his whole 500 years. وَبَقِيَتْ نِعْمَةَ الْجَسَدِ فَضْلًا عَلَيْهِ After the blessing of eyesight, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has nothing else to weigh against. So the angels look at the blessing of the body. بَقِيَتْ نِعْمَةَ الْجَسَدِ What's after the, the eyes is the blessing of the body. But he has nothing else to weigh against. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angels, Go take my servant to the hellfire. You want to arrogantly say, oh, enter you into paradise by way of your deeds? Your deeds don't amount to anything. One blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the blessing of eyesight, is enough to cover 500 years of worship. You still haven't even repaid. That means that if you worshiped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 500 years, you still would not have repaid him for the blessing of eyesight. What about hearing? What about smelling? What about thinking? What about the faculties? You understand? If you worship the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 500 years, committing no sin, doing nothing but serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, serving God, you still would not have even repaid him for the blessing of eyesight. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angels, take my servant to the hellfire. Take my servant to the hellfire. The Prophet said, So the angels start to drag him to the hellfire. They're dragging him to the hellfire. But you see who say As they're dragging him to the hellfire, he screams out, Oh Allah, oh my Lord. Can you imagine them dragging him to the hellfire? Can you imagine them dragging you to the hellfire? You see these flames, you can hear the roar of the fire. You can see people in the fire being tortured and the angels are dragging you towards that. Can you imagine that? SubhanAllah. The angels are dragging him to the hellfire. For you see who say and he yells out, he calls out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Rabbi, oh my Lord, bi rahmatik adkhilni al jannah. Oh Allah, by your mercy, by your mercy, into me, into paradise. By your mercy. He understands now. And that's the sad thing about it, that some of us will not understand the power of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the blessings that he has bestowed upon us until we are actually standing in front of him. Look at how we use and abuse all of the blessings that Allah has given us. We live in a society where people wake up every day and go grab a drink of alcohol every day and made plans on this Saturday to spend their whole entire 16, 17, 18 hours on this Saturday doing nothing from beginning to end except disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want you to think about that, and Muslims included. There's some right now who have not even woken up yet. We're up early, it's only 8.27 where I am. 8.27 in the morning. 
some of the people who are uh, going to spend the rest of their Saturday disobeying the law, they haven't even gotten up yet. We're sitting up talking about them and they're still asleep. They haven't even woken up yet. You understand? They haven't even woken up yet. We are up early. Most of us, if not all of us, have prayed fudger and we got up and, you know, maybe cleaned up a little bit, you know, and then the lecture comes on and you're like, wow, okay, let me, you know, I'm up. Let me see what this is about. But these people who have made, who have made intentions to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they haven't even gotten up yet. They didn't even wake up yet. We're talking about them and they're still asleep. But there are people, and Muslims included, who made plans yesterday. Right, they were up all night last night, so you know they haven't gotten up yet. But when they wake up, they're going to open their eyes. Some people are going to go grab a drink. Some people are going to roll a blunt. Some people are going to jump on the phone. Some people are going to look on social media to see what's going on. They're going to shower if they shower, right? And they have already made plans. I'm going, I got an appointment today to go get a tattoo. I got a hair appointment today to go get some weave added into my hair. I got a facial where I'm going to go get my eyebrows lined up. I got, I got my whole day planned. But your whole day plan is based upon disobedience to God. Every single step of your Saturday from beginning to end is about disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm going to go have lunch with my girlfriend. I'm going to go have lunch with my boyfriend. I'm going to go meet this person at the mall. I'm going to go here and I'm going to go shopping because it's a party tonight and I'm going to wear this and I'm going to wear that and I'm going to drink this and I'm going to buy that. Your whole Saturday has been already planned to spend it in complete disobedience and disregard of God. Meanwhile, meanwhile, everything, every step that you take to disobey Allah is with the blessings that God has given you. Think about that. Every step that you take to disobey Allah on this Saturday, you will be using the blessings that Allah gave you to do that. SubhanAllah. I mean, if you just sit for a second with that, that thought, just sit for a second with that thought and let that marinate, let that marinate for a second, that you are about to spend your whole entire day in disobedience and disregard of God's laws, rules, regulations, using the blessings that Allah gave you, using your eyes that Allah gave you, using your ears, your hearing that Allah gave you using the intellect that Allah gave you, using the feet that Allah gave you, using the heart that Allah gave you. Like a woman, you'll give your heart to a man who you know is going to abuse that heart, but you won't give your heart to God. I, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand it. You give your heart to a man that you know, you tell yourself, you know. And women, you guys always know. You always know. Some of you play the damsel in distress. Some of you play the oblivious woman. I didn't know, you know, this is why I always end up in trouble. This is why I always end up taking advantage of. Some of you play that role, but you as a woman, Allah has given you intuition. Allah has given you intuition. You know before you give your heart to a man that he's going to abuse it, but you give it to him anyway. You give it to him anyway. You know he's going to hurt your heart. You know he's going to break your heart, but you give it to him anyway because some of you have been so accustomed to pain that that is all you know. All you know is pain. And I feel sorry for you. I really do. But you would risk giving your heart to someone that you know is going to break it, but you won't give your heart to God who gave you the heart. Right, self-betrayal. You betray yourself every single time because you have been so accustomed to pain that that is all you know. That's all you know.
So the angels are dragging this guy to the towards the hellfire. He sees the hellfire and they're dragging him to it. He yells out, but you see, oh Allah, be rahmatik gender. Oh Allah, let me enter into paradise through your mercy, through your mercy. So the angels bring him back in front of Allah. I want you to pay attention to this conversation. Don't ever forget this conversation. The angels bring it to bring him back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah says to him, Allah says to him, Oh my servant, Ya Abdi. Oh, my servant, who created you when you were nothing? Before you were even a thought, who created you? Who created the thought in the mind of your mother and your father to be intimate in order to produce you? You understand? Who created the thought? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هَلْ أَتَى عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ حِينٌ مِنَ الدَّهْرِ لَمْ يَكُنْ شَيْئًا مَذْكُورًا Has there not come a time upon the human being when he was a thing not even thought of? You understand? لَمْ تَكُنْ شَيْئًا مَذْكُورًا Wasn't there, has there not, a, was there not a time when you were a thing not even thought of? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the servant, Ya Abdi, O oh my servant, man Who created you when you were nothing? Who created you when you were nothing? You were not even thought of. Anta ya Rabbi. So the servant says, You, O oh Allah. Allah says to the servant, did you create yourself or was that through my mercy? Did you do that or was that through my mercy? So the servant says, Bel bi rahmatik. He said, no, it was by your mercy of Allah. Who gave you the strength to worship me for 500 years? You worshiped me for 500 years, but who gave you the enthusiasm? Who endowed you with the enthusiasm, with the strength to worship me for 500 years? Who did that? You did, oh my Lord. Then Allah says, and who bestowed upon you a river in the middle of the mountain and bestowed upon you the shajaratul ruman, the pomegranate trees that you ate from, the water that you drank? Who gave you all of that? That you went down every night and you, you bathed in and you ate from, you understand? Who did all of that for you? You did, oh my Lord. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to him, That was all by my mercy. And it is by my mercy that I allow you to enter into paradise. Now you understand. You understand? Now you understand. I did all of that out of mercy for you. So when I say, enter my servant into paradise through my mercy, now you understand why I say that. Your deeds, obviously, we have to do righteous deeds. But no matter how righteous our deeds, no matter how good of a specimen of a Muslim we believe that we are, none of us will enter into paradise by way of our deeds. It will always be by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The deeds that we do are by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The actions that we engage in by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The good that we do by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything by Allah's mercy. Everything. Everything by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. Then Allah says to the angels, Adkhilu abdi al-jannah bi rahmati. 
take my servant again, take my servant to paradise by way of my mercy. And Angel Jibreel ends the hadith by saying to the Prophet Sallallahu Ya Muhammad, innama al-ashya bi rahmatillah. Ya Muhammad, innama al-ashya bi rahmatillah. Angel Jibreel ends this story by saying to the Prophet Sallallahu Oh Muhammad, everything is by the mercy of Allah. You understand? Everything. Innama al-ashya bi rahmatillah. Everything. Is by the mercy of Allah. Everything. SubhanAllah. Allahumma rahmataka arju. Wala tekilna ila anfusina tarafata ayin. Allahumma rahmataka narju. Wala tekilna ila anfusina tarafata ayin. Oh Allah, your mercy is what we hope for, what we desire. Do not leave us alone to ourselves, not even for the time that it takes to blink an eye. Everything by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is our morning remembrance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa salama taslimin kathira. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Uh, got maybe a few minutes for for questions answers. Um, I'll take maybe one or two questions, inshallah. One or two questions. The live will be saved on uh, it's on the Masjid website, on the Masjid Facebook page, uh, Masjid Al Rauda uh, on Facebook as well as on the Shadid Muhammad uh, Facebook page. Uh, for you guys on Instagram, you know that it only stays up there for a day. So if you wanna revisit this, um, this lecture, you can revisit it on Facebook, inshallah. Absolutely, Sister Aisha, not a problem. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make your daughter's entry into college easy. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep her grounded and guided, guide her footsteps every single step of the way. But please impress upon her, please press upon her to stay close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to forget the morals and the values that you've raised her with. Not to forget that, but press upon her to stay close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially in today's time. Absolutely. Any questions uh, particularly related to the topic? Ameen, Ya Rabb. Ameen, Jazakumullah khairan for all of your dua. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all. Uh, I don't like to think of what I do as lectures. I like to look at them as discussions. These are conversations that we're having. Lectures just, you know, just, has such a negative connotation. Last thing we need is another lecture. These are conversations, discussions, if you will. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Sister Kim. If I have the energy, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses me, then I will bless you. If I got it, you got it, as we used to say. If I got it, you got it. I will never deny you guys anything. If I got it, you got it. I will never deny you anything. Everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed me with, I am more than willing to share that with, with you guys. I mean... The morning remembrances can all be found on in the, the dua book, uh, Husnul Muslim, the Fortress of the Muslim book. Uh, they also have it. Um, they also have it on YouTube. You can find it anywhere. All right. And may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala love you for whom sake you love me. Ahabakaladi ahabtanila. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala reward you. You all jazakumullah khair and keep the dua. I mean, I need all of it. I need all of it. Alhamdulillah.
need all of it. I pray that you guys enjoy your, your Saturday. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep you and your family, your children uh, within, you know, within the realm of his mercy. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, covers you guys with his mercy, with his forgiveness. Uh, we, we are definitely in need of it. Absolutely. If you are, if the, if you have a leader or a teacher that is not teaching you to critically think and analyze, then he is teaching you or prepping you to be a follower. I'm prepping you guys to be leaders, especially the men, especially men. You guys have to be leaders of your families, leaders in the community. If you have leaders, teachers, imams that are not teaching you to critically think and analyze, then they are teaching you to be a follower, not a leader. Inshallah, we'll pray for your son. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for him. Children, uh, I am a teacher, children learning online. It is, it is not, it is not the thing. Like we were not prepared for this in any shape, form, or fashion. And this online teaching, it's 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 killing our children, man. It's killing our children. Literally, man. I've seen children who in the classroom were straight A students to now online students, like they're, they're averaging C, C, B students, if that. I've literally seen children's academic level plummet as a result of this online learning, man. This joint is killing our children. The ADD, the attention deficit is growing even bigger. The attention deficit is growing even more. If you thought that your children had ADD because of these devices before this pandemic, you can only imagine how much more that ADD, that attention deficit has increased. It's, it's really sad, man. It's really sad what sitting in front of these devices is doing into our children. And then on top of that, the schools are still mandating that children sit in classes for 30, 40 minutes. You stare, you're staring at a screen as a teacher. That is even difficult for us as teachers. And they're still demanding that children sit in classes as if they were still sitting in classes in school. 40 minutes, 45 minutes per class, that's way too much time for a child to be sitting in front, of a, a, in front of a computer. And then some children don't have computers. Some children are using their parents' cell phones. Some have tablets. You know, it's just, it's just really crazy. It's, it's, it's killing us. Alhamdulillah, uh, it's, it's killing us, man. It's killing our children. 20 minutes tops is enough. 20 minutes is tops. Cut down the amount of time they're sitting in front of a camera. They can't stay focused that long. They're staring at the screen. You think that they're looking at you, but they're not looking at you. They're on another screen. They got multiple screens up. They're playing video games and navigating their way through the internet. They're not even focused. They're not even paying attention. And God forbid, you know, you have latchkey kids who come and go as they please because the parents are at work or parents have to work. And, you know, you at work calling home to see if your son or your daughter got up to get online to get, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's destroying, you know, and, and it's all, I mean, I don't want to go into all of that. This is all part of the plan, all part of the plan, but it's destroying our children, man. So I would say that as parents, you know, to press upon your principals, press upon your teachers, you know, that you can't have them sitting for 30, 45 minutes, you know, every single day, you know, learning like that. E-learning is, is, you know, it's an alternative to, you know, sitting in the classroom because of the situation that we're dealing with. And it should not be function. We should not be functioning the same exact way. You know, and we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us, you know, give us the patience to deal with this situation, give us the guidance to see our way through this situation, 
Uh, Muslims, I really don't know when we're going to start opening up Islamic schools. We have Islamic teachers. We have qualified teachers, you know, Islamic teachers, secular uh, studies, secular education. We have more than what we need. And right now, I don't understand why we are not creating online Islamic schools. Why? Now is the time. What are you guys waiting for? All it takes is for teachers, you need five teachers. You need English, language, arts, you need social studies, you need math, you need science, Islamic studies. And then you, of course, some, you know, uh, Voltec, all of which can be done from Zoom, all of which can be done online. What are we waiting for? Now is the time. Create online Islamic schools. This sister has a degree in science. This sister has a degree in English language arts. This sister is a, you know, history major. This sister, this brother is, you know, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for somebody else to do it. So we can say, can I put my kid in your school? We're waiting for somebody else to do it. We have everything that we need right now. But we're not thinking on that level. We're not thinking outside of this little box. Right now is the time. And, you know, to create an online Islamic school and just have people enroll, you know, and you got all your teachers, they can teach their classes, they have curriculum, they have, you know, a syllabus to walk you through everything week by week. They have, you know, prep, preparation for it. What are we waiting for? Right now is the time. Right now is the time. If I wasn't already working with an Islamic school that I'm already working with and invested in, I would literally, wallahi, right now have my own school. I'm, I'm, I'm no need to reinvent the wheel for me because I'm already invested in a school that I'm already currently working with. Alhamdulillah, and the, 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 you know, the system works. So I'm not going to necessarily reinvent the wheel for what I'm doing. We're not talking about online qualifications. I'm talking about people who have actually went to college and have degrees from university. I'm not talking about online qualifications. I'm talking about people who have already went to college, went to university, graduated with degrees in these particular fields. All it, all it takes is for you to get all of them together, create an online school, create a website, create, you know, create your curriculum. It's literally that simple. It is not that complicated. It's not that complicated. And you don't have to teach K through 12. You can start with just middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth. That's all we're catering to, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Or you can do high school, nine, 10, 11, and 12. That's it. You don't have to do K through 12. That's, that's, a, that's thinking too far ahead. Take it in small chunks. Open up a middle school, online middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Find teachers that have qualifications in those particular areas that you need. Science, uh, you know, you know, if you want to do a STEM school, you can do a STEM school. If you want to, I mean, like, it's so many things that can be done online. I just don't, I don't understand what we're waiting for, man. I've, I've given you the light. I've given you the spark. It's on you. Sixth, seventh, and eighth, or you can do high school, nine, 10, 11, 12. You can actually do 11th and 12th. You don't have to do, you know, all grades. But all it takes is for a group of us to get together, qualified, professional teachers, educators to say, all right. And then, of course, when the pandemic is over with, and then all it takes is for you to find a building, you know, but by, by the time you've already created an online presence, you've already built a constituency. You've already built a constituency, right? We lack the vision and we lack the drive. We're waiting for somebody else to do it. This is why we invest so much energy into voting because we're hoping that a new president comes along and changes the narrative for us. Change your own narrative. That Allah will not change the condition of the people until at first they change what is within themselves. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not change the condition of the people until at first they change what is within themselves. What are we waiting for? Roll the Islamic school is definitely coming. <laughs> Absolutely. There is, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time. That is definitely coming without a doubt. Be <laughs> I'm, I'm already steps ahead of you. I promise you. But the, the point that I'm saying is that, you know, for those of us that are living in different places where there are not so many uh, masajid, you know, we're waiting for the masjid to open up a school. You don't have to wait for the masjid to open up a school. If you guys haven't realized that many of these buildings that we call masajid are very quickly becoming irrelevant. They were already irrelevant. We just didn't realize it. It took the pandemic for us to realize that in many instances, they are irrelevant. All they do is represent a place to go pray. That's it. But as far as the, the social needs, the academic needs, the educational needs, and all of the other needs that we have as a community, the, the masjid has doesn't factor into any of that. The masjid doesn't play a part in any of that. And it hasn't in, 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 a, in a long time. There was a time when people would open up Masajid, have a school attached, and then, you know, we would incorporate the, the Masjid school, you know, model. But that is not even happening in, in many of the Masajid anymore. So now the Masjid has just become a business. That's what Masajid have become, businesses. A place where, you know, they're just running a facility, running a business, but everything is about money. Everything is about money. The fundraisers, the selling the CDs, you know, the, 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 the donations, the sadaqah, everything is about money. It's a business. Meanwhile, taking, taking, taking from the community, but giving nothing back. Giving nothing back. Not the khutbas, not the lectures, not, you know, any training, any, you know, additional uh, information, knowledge that can be disseminated to, you know, the community to help them on a social, on a social plane, nothing. Nothing is given, everything is just taken, taken, taken away from the community, giving nothing back. And that's a fact. But if you're sitting around waiting for the masjid to open up a school so you can put your children in an Islamic school, you, you've already lost. You've already lost. Why are you sitting around waiting for the masjid to do that? Why can't you and a group of educators, professionals, Put your brains together, put your resources together, and create a situation that will change your narrative. I just don't understand that. But that's part of the conditioning process that we have been, um, we have been unfortunately uh, subjected to, and that is that we have to take everything through the masjid. The imam has to approve. First of all, the imam doesn't usually doesn't approve anything. The board approves. So if you're waiting for the imam to do it or waiting for the board administration to do it, it ain't going to never get done. I promise you. We're still waiting. It ain't going to never get done. You can, you can support your local masjid. That's not what I'm saying. Support your local masjid. We need places to go pray in congregation. Got it. Support your local masjid. But as far as the services that we need as individuals, the services that we need as individuals, social services, educational services, and all of the other services that we have, needs that we have, you cannot look to the masjid to supply those needs. You have to create a, a system that is independent of the masjid that will you know, cater to the needs that we have as individuals. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa taslima kathira wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallam wa alayhi.